Greetings and salutations, sports and wrestling fans all across the wide and wonderful internet. It's time for another glorious edition of Modern Day Gladiators here on the Outlander Media Network. Your humble host, the ace of Tennessee sports podcasting with you here on another rainy and messy day here in Knoxville. Michael Shibley with you here. Hope you guys have had a fantastic week. The first week without at least the NFL when it comes to football. The Super Bowl is now past. A lot of other things to talk about. However, there's another league that's looking to make an impact and seeing if it can fill that void of football that a lot of Americans are looking to hang on to. We'll talk about that coming up, including, of course, a legend returning to Indiana, troubles in the WWE when it comes to at least the financial situation. There's a big mess there. So a lot of stuff to talk about here on another jam-packed episode of Modern Day Gladiators. But of course, we're going to dive right in to the big one, and that of course is everything going on in the world of college basketball. My goodness, we had some crazy endings in the world of college basketball over the weekend. The headliner, of course, was the Duke-North Carolina game. Duke rallying back and not only making a buzzer beater to force overtime, but then also making another shot at the buzzer in overtime to get the win and just break the heart of North Carolina as the Tar Heels pretty much putting their entire season into this game, getting that win over hated rival Duke there in Chapel Hill in the Deem Dome and the 7th-ranked Duke Blue Devils denying them all the happiness of that. By the way, a quick aside, those uniforms that both teams were wearing with the big logo on the front, they look terrible. I think they both look like practice uniforms, to be perfectly honest. I did not like that at all. So, quick aside, back to it. Duke, though... Yes, it was an incredible moment, incredible atmosphere there, but Duke wins these games all the time. That's what sums up so much of this, especially the rivalry. When it comes to this, Duke under Mike Krzyzewski gets these wins, so it's it's one of these things. Yes, it was amazing to watch, and it was an incredible atmosphere. Everything there was great, but my goodness, Duke is just going to do these things. I mean, you look at Austin Rivers, what was it, eight years ago, sinking the shot at the buzzer to tear the heart out of Tar Heel Nation. And again, I don't really have a dog in the fight. I've got a cousin and his wife both went to Duke. That's about all the dog that I've got. One of my good friends, Chuck, who listens to the show, he's a big Duke guy. But of course, I'm a beloved Tennessee Vols fan, so you look at so many of these things, just an incredible and crazy atmosphere I love big rivalry games like this. It was just amazing to see, and we'll see what happens now. North Carolina, they don't have much to play for. Unless they can somehow win the ACC tournament, they're not going dancing this year. They're not going to go to the NCAA tournament, which is just weird to see college basketball tournament without North Carolina. It's just odd, so... We'll see where that goes. Another crazy ending, of course, happening in the SEC. Auburn rallying back, forcing overtime at home against LSU, and then making the runner at the buzzer, bing, bing, off the backboard through as the clock expires as Auburn gets the win over LSU in a just an incredible atmosphere there in Auburn. Bruce Pearl doing great things again. They're on the plains. My goodness, 
You look at everything that happened in that game. LSU has had a terrible week when it comes to college basketball. They lose at Vanderbilt, and Vanderbilt, I mean, they lost bad to Vanderbilt. And Vanderbilt got, like, their first SEC win in a while, it seems like. So that was bad. And then they have the lead at LSU playing well and just give it up. And Auburn gets the win there. So LSU struggling a little bit. So you have some of those things happening. You also have, of course, over the weekend, you had some other top uh, 25 action. Seton Hall getting the win at Villanova. Seton Hall has looked great this season. I mean, the Big East is just fun always, even without some of those big teams that left to join the ACC and whatnot. You've still got great stuff in the Big East when it comes to college basketball, which you just have to love. Meanwhile, you also have Duke continuing to get big wins. They win Uh, against a very tough out in Florida State. That game was at home, but Duke getting the win 70-65, to just a couple days removed from the big uh, just craziness there that happened in Chapel Hill. So a lot of great stuff going on in the world of college basketball. A couple of the other big things of note that we have to look at. Penn State has risen. My goodness, this is going to be the first Penn State team to make the NCAA tournament in a long time. They've risen all the way up to 13th, and that's in a very tough Big Ten. I mean, usually when you think Penn State, you do not think college basketball. They're usually one of the ones down there with Rutgers and some of those other terrible teams in the Big Ten. But no, they have risen from the ashes. They're looking really good, very strong. Some of the other teams making a move. Of course, Baylor has solidified themselves as the number one team with Gonzaga and Kansas behind them. San Diego State looking strong. Of course, you got to look at their schedule as well as you talk about teams like Dayton who were up there. So we'll see how they can continue to make moves. But you got Colorado moving up out there out west. And then you've got Marquette, who of course is doing great things in the Big East. Look at all these, but the big one, of course, is the fact that Michigan State, who was the preseason number one team, has fallen out of the top 25 after their third straight loss. And again, a tough Big Ten, but Michigan State has just not been able to put things together. Yeah, they've had some injuries and other issues, but a Tom Izzo team out of the top 25, that's just weird to see. We'll see how long that continues. Meanwhile, my beloved Tennessee Vols, they had their big rivalry game over the weekend, and they, of course, were not able to get it done. They lost hosting Kentucky. They were not able to move on Kentucky winning 77-64. It's the first win that the Kentucky Wildcats have had in Thompson Bowling Arena in five years, so you can see where Tennessee has at least been able to defend their home court in this game, but Kentucky was just by far the more talented team against Tennessee this season where Tennessee was good, and they made some runs, but every time they got close to Kentucky, Kentucky was able just to keep them that outside jab, go on a quick run, and just get that back out to about an 11-10 point lead. So they just wore Tennessee down in Kentucky, getting the win, solidifying themselves right now, it looks like, at the top of the SEC. It's kind of tough up there, where LSU is still up there in the rankings, We'll see where it all shakes out. But Tennessee, their hopes dwindling of a chance to get to the big dance unless they just make a stellar run here at the end of the season. And unfortunately, I just don't see that when you look at what's been going on with Tennessee this season. Coming up next, you've got a game tonight as we're recording this 
against Arkansas. They're favored in that one by two and a half points. Should be able to get the win there. But then Tennessee at South Carolina, you can get a win there hosting Vanderbilt. So you can win three straight games here if you're Tennessee against some not-so-great opponents. Arkansas is good. Arkansas is 16-7. and They're having a good season, but you're at home. You should win that game if you're Tennessee. But then you've got Auburn, then at Arkansas, and then uh, hosting Florida to wrap up the month of February, and then you move into March, and then you're at Kentucky and hosting Auburn to wrap up the season. So it's a very back-loaded schedule when it comes to strength of schedule. So Tennessee, if they can put on some sort of run here, they can still make it, especially if they get a deep run in the SEC tournament. But games like that Kentucky game, you can't just let it slip through your fingers. But Tennessee's probably going to have to win. They've got, I don't know, they're probably going to have to win pretty much all of these games, really, when you look at it. I mean, maybe drop a game to Kentucky, but you're going to have to win everything else, and I don't see that happening if Tennessee really wants a puncher's chance of getting back into the big dance. But who knows when it comes to looking at the outlook of the whole NCAA tournament and everything as you look at it because it's such there's no real team that's just taking the it's just dominating the headlines and everything it's going to be a very jumbled NCAA tournament unless some some of these teams at the top really emerge but i don't see that happening at this point it's going to be there's going to be upsets galore really when you look at it but right now you look at where the top seeds are i've still got my number 1 seeds and i guess if you had to say they were going to be in the final four I've got Baylor in there, I've got San Diego State, I've got Louisville, and I've got Duke. Duke, I think, is going to find some ways to win, even though they're not the best Duke team that Krzyzewski's ever had out there. Those are my final four picks, at least right now, as of this recording. We can laugh at me later, as these, of course, will change as we move along, but that's what I've got right now. Meanwhile, over on the women's side, my beloved Lady Vols, they dropped a tough one in their last game uh, against Mississippi State, who's very good, 72-55. to 55, The Lady Vols dropping down to 25th in the rankings. Mississippi State, of course, in the top 10. Really, again, the Lady Vols under Kelly Harper showing that they are better than they have been the last couple of seasons, but just, again, they're not over the hump yet. They're working on getting that talent and getting it back here on Rocky Top and making the Summit Another tough place to play. We'll see where the Lady Vols are going to be at as they are at LSU this week and then home against another top 25 team, Texas A&M. So if Tennessee can win that one, again, you win a lot of these games that you're supposed to win, it's going to get you back in the dance, hopefully back into the Sweet 16. But you talk about the top of women's basketball. Number one, South Carolina, who beat up Tennessee a little bit earlier this season. They took UConn behind the woodshed, 70-52. to It's the first time, though, South Carolina has gotten that win over UConn. So Don Staley has got a machine going there in Columbia at South Carolina. So hats off to what they've been able to do there. One of the big notes before we move on out of college basketball, I did want to talk about this. Bobby Knight making his return to the University of Indiana. For some of you who might not have even been born, who might be listening to this, Bobby Knight, of course, the the perennial coach at Indiana. He's the all-time Hall of Fame coach 
there when we all know about everything. I mean, he spent 29 seasons in Bloomington, 662 wins, 11 Big Ten championships, five Final Four appearances, three national titles, including, uh, I believe, in 77, the last uh, undefeated team in college basketball to win the national championship. But he was... Uh, fired back in September of 2000. We'll get into that in a second, but he came back after 20 years, finally coming back to Indiana. Uh, They were honoring one of his Big Ten championship teams. He came back in. uh, This rift, Indiana's been trying to repair it for a long time. Because you remember, if you don't know a lot about Bobby Knight, I mean, you just do Google what he happened. You, You ask some of the students who were there, or a lot of college basketball fans now, because he's been out of the game for so long, they say Bobby Knight, and he's like, oh, what, the chair-throwing guy? Everybody remembers the chair-throwing incident from 1985. Um, Of course, he also won an Olympic gold medal as a coach with Michael Jordan, though he cut Charles Barkley. Uh, So you have those things, and he got fired September 10th because Bobby Knight, of course, there had been diminishing returns over the past few seasons, that Bobby Knight had been there. If you watch, again, the 30 for 30 documentary that ESPN did, The Last Days of Night, covers a lot of this in great, great detail that I don't have time to go into on this show, but check that out. It's amazing to see. But again, there was a tape that was revealed that uh, Bobby Knight was shown choking former player Neil Reed, who has since passed away, and that put him on a zero-tolerance policy, and then... A student apparently said, like, sup night or something like that to the coach, and Bobby Knight didn't think he was respected well enough by that student, so he pretty much put his hands on the student. There's a lot of things to see where that goes, or, you know, um, there's a lot of uh, contradictory evidence, or at least Bobby Knight put that spin on there. So you look at that, and, of course, then the university fired him. There was a lot of people, of course, who were very upset about that because, again, Bobby Knight was the institution at Indiana. But you look at it, to me, I look at Bob Knight's firing the same way I look at the firing of Joe Paterno at Penn State where, yes, you are the institution, but you're not above everything else. I think because they always talk about how Bob Knight did things, quote unquote, the right way where, yeah, he was very, you know, hard headed, stubborn very authoritarian, and yes, college coaches are still that, especially in college basketball, but now you can't do a lot of the things that Bob Knight did back then. Yes, some of that was, I mean, if a coach threw a chair now like Bob Knight did, they wouldn't be. They would even be allowed to return to the locker room. They would throw you on a bus and take you off campus immediately if you did something like that nowadays. So, but you look at it, where, yes, he's got a lot of power, and they say, yeah, he did things the right way, where he never got caught with an NCAA violation, and he also uh, graduated all his students. That NCAA violation stuff, I don't completely buy. Do I think still he was a great coach? Yes, in his time, absolutely, but there were diminishing returns, and I think some of those NCAA violations, I think the way Bobby Knight ran things at Indiana... I think he had a lot of pull on some of that stuff. Again, not a conspiracy guy. That's for Haffle. I just wouldn't be surprised if things like that happened there at Indiana. But he never got caught. So you have those things. It was happy that it finally got him back on campus. Yes, you again, 
you have to look at everything warts and all. All the wins, all the national championships, yes, those are great things to have, and you should you know, applaud him for that, but you also have to remember the other things that happened. You know, you, you go into life, it's warts and all when you look at all of this stuff, but it was a good scene and something I think that needed to happen there at Indiana, so I'm glad uh, that they happened. You don't have to have Bobby Knight back ever again, but I do think it was a good appreciation, and they still lost the game against rival Purdue, so that was kind of tough to see there when Bobby Knight finally comes back to campus. Moving over to another sport that we want to cover here in the main block, and that's the XFL, as Vince McMahon uh, shouted over 20 years ago. The XFL making its second uh, debut in the world of the sports lexicon. A lot different than what it has been. Uh, You, of course, had four games. All eight teams were in action over the weekend. And again, all these games were televised on ABC, ESPN, or Fox, or FS1. So again, places you can find it, which was good. Uh, The DC Defenders defeated the Seattle Dragons. The Houston Roughnecks beat the LA Wildcats. The New York Guardians defeated the Tampa Bay Vipers, and the uh, St. Louis Battlehawks defeated the Dallas Renegades. You have all those things. The ratings were very good. You had, they were the top-rated sports events of the weekend. I mean, they were better than any of the NBA games or even the college basketball games. Only the Oscars, which had one of their, all, I think, the all-time lowest ratings that the Oscars have ever had, was better when it comes to entertainment aspects of it, but the XFL did get solid, but if you remember when the XFL was, the the first time the XFL came out, they had great ratings to start, and then it just fell by the wayside, so it's one of these things, again, that we talk about, give me a few weeks, and then we'll see where they are at when it comes to ratings, because the AF, the Alliance of American Football from last year, also started out with pretty decent ratings, and then fell by the wayside. So, yes, you have a country here in the United States that just wants everything to do with football. That's why they're just continuously talking about where Tom Brady and Drew Brees and Phillip Rivers and all these other quarterbacks who are going to become free agents are going to end up, even though free agency doesn't start until March 18th. They're going to continuously talk about it, even though I don't care. We will talk about that stuff on this show when there's actual news of where someone's going. I'm not just going to keep guessing. I don't have time for that on this show. I want to do stuff that's actually happening in the world of sports as we talk about it. So with the XFL, a couple of things I think they need. I do love some of the rules that have changed. I like the extra point options be interesting to see if the NFL adopts any of this stuff. I like the idea of the kickoff where the teams are lined up five yards apart and then the kickoff happens. Once the ball sails over the head, they can then run into each other. I think that lowers the the concussion collisions and things like that, so I like that. I do like the transparency they have with replay where they talk about the replay and then show the replay booth and hear their process of thinking things out. I like the transparency of that. It tamps down a lot of the conspiracy stuff that you might have in the NFL and they might talk about on Haffle. But again, one of the things we need to look at is how is the XFL going to maintain? Wake me up in a couple of weeks and we'll see if the ratings are still where they are here on opening week. I, personally, I will still watch it. I'll still have the games on at work when we've got all the sporting events on because it's something different. But 
I'm in college basketball mode now. Uh, you know, I want to watch college basketball in this move to March Madness. I love this time of year for things like that. I don't need to have football on at all times. That's just not who I am. I mean, you had other things. You had a great UFC card that we'll talk about in shibbles and bits here in a little bit. You have, you know, golf is starting to get in. Spring training is going to start. You have other things to talk about. You don't always have to have football. And of course, you've got the NHL and the NBA going on as well. So you have all these different things you don't need to just saturate with football all the time. Well, we'll see. One of the big things with the XFL, though, too, they're going to have to have their own stars. They're either going to have to make stars that could maybe even play in the NFL. Is the XFL going to be some sort of developmental league? We'll see where that all ends up. But you can do that. Or are they going to be able to lure college stars away from maybe having to play that one year they have left of eligibility before they can enter the NFL draft? Are they going to get, maybe not Trevor Lawrence, but are they going to be able to get some of these guys who said after their sophomore year, I want to get paid a couple of million dollars to play football. I don't want to just wait here and the possibility of getting injured in college. I want to move. So we'll see. Because again, that was the big thing with the USFL. They got Herschel Walker. They got Steve Young, Vinny Testaverde, Jim Kelly. They got stars, Reggie White. They got people to play there who people wanted to see, and they had really good action. So we'll see where it ends up. I want the XFL to be successful, but again, we'll see where it comes. Of course, the WWE and Vince McMahon have bigger things to worry about as well. We'll talk about that, of course, at the end of the show. But that's going to wrap up this first half of Modern Day Gladiators. Thank you guys for listening. As always, like, subscribe, give us those five-star reviews there on Facebook. Uh, uh, Not just Facebook. You can listen to Modern Day Gladiators. You can see us on Facebook. Of course, on Instagram under Modern Day Gladiators, you can follow me on on Twitter at Michael underscore Shibley. You can also, of course, give us those five-star reviews on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Wherever you listen, we're there, of course, at outlandermedia.net, where we've got all the other great shows, of course, Haffle, and we've got DLC Respawn, which I was on the latest edition of that show, so tune in for that. You've got Geeks and Hair to the Earth, Deadbeat Radio, Scared Stupid, a lot of other big things coming your way to Outlander Media. We're taking over the world. Give us those five stars. You're just going to help us take over the world even faster, and we will love you forever for that. We're going to take a break, but we'll be back with Shibbles and Bits right after this. You again, listening to Modern Day Gladiators on the Outlander Media Network. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. You hear the music, Shibbles and Bits is back on the show. Finally got some good stuff here to talk about. Some, you know, I got some news headlines and other things you might have missed over all the big other things happening in the world of sports. And of course, if you've got suggestions on any topic you want to hear on Shibbles and Bits, again, hit me up on Twitter, Michael underscore Shibley, or hit up the Modern Day Gladiators Facebook page. We would love to hear from you there. But let's dive in. 
and see what else we've got in the worlds of sports. Let's talk back with women's college basketball and just women's basketball as a whole. The Women's Hall of Fame, where uh, Mrs. Shibbles and I had our lovely wedding, and of course some of you listening might have been present for that. It was great. Didn't even have anything to do with basketball. Just a great place to have it, but they've got some great stuff there at the Hall of Fame. And of course, another former Tennessee Vol is getting into the Hall of Fame, and that is uh, Tamika Catchings. She was the WNBA MVP in 2011, led the Indiana Fever to the league title in 2012, four-time Olympic gold medalist with the U.S., and of course she won the 1998 NCAA championship with Pat Summit and the Vols. She's now the general manager of the Indiana Fever. So of course she's the one we'll pay attention to the most when it comes to all of this, but also you look at some of the other good things the hall annually honors trailblazers of the game this year it's the 1980 olympic team which was coached by the late sue gunter from lsu the team was selected but did not get a chance to compete in the moscow games because of the u.s boycott which i thought was a dumb move looking back historically but that's all time for a whole nother podcast you also of course have lauren jackson she was a three-time wnba mvp She was the number one draft pick by the Seattle Storm, so she was good. She was also a stalwart on the Australian national team, winning three civil medals and one bronze at the Olympics. You also had Swin Cash, WNBA titles with Detroit and Seattle, two-time Olympic gold medalist, and won two NCAA championships with UConn. Of course, have some other ones. Debbie Brock won three national championships at Delta State in the 1970s in the uh, old, this was before the NCAA, it was the AIAW, the Association of Intercollegiate Athletics for Women. You have Carol Callan. Uh, She has been with USA Women's Basketball. She's been the national team director since 96. Six consecutive Olympic gold medals under her watch. You have Sue Donahue who was the vice president of the NCAA Division I women's basketball from 03 to 2012 and director of the NCAA tournament from 1999 to 2002, and also Carol Stiff, which was ESPN's vice president for programming and acquisitions, an emphasis on NCAA women's basketball, the WNBA. She helped launch the Jimmy V Week and, of course, the K Yao Cancer Fund. So good things there. All, I think, well-deserved people getting in to the uh, Women's Basketball Hall of Fame. This will be the 22nd class inducted into the hall, which, again, located here in beautiful Knoxville, Tennessee. Another company that's here in beautiful Knoxville, Tennessee, and that's Joe Shirt. Gotta love Joe Shirt and JoeShirt.com. They've been doing stuff here in Knoxville, making t-shirts and banners and everything for over 30 years. You got an idea, you want to put your logo on something, talk to the boys at Joe Shirt, the men and women there. They've been doing it, again, over 30 years. They know what they're doing. Joe Shirt Deluxe and RegularJoeShirt.com. They can work with you, get you some prices, get you free shipping, all the good stuff that comes with it. They're a solid company. We love them here at Outlander Media. And, of course... When you're looking for stuff that's out of this world, check out Otherworldly Coffee at otherworldlycoffee.com. Great flavors there. The Firebird blend, the Mothman blend, the Bigfoot blend, the the Dogman blend. I think I got all of them. They're incredible. If you use the code OUTLANDER, it's all caps, you're going to get 20% off your order. That's more than going to cover the taxes that you're going to pay for it. So check it out. That's friend prices because we're friends here for everybody listening 
to modern-day gladiators. So we've got that. Moving on into the world of Ultimate Fighting, you had the big UFC event over the weekend. Uh, John Jones continuing to win. Of course, we'll see if he fails another drug test. That's a whole other story that I won't get into and... About the only person I don't want listening to this is probably John Jones because he'll probably punch me in the face for saying that. But hey, stop failing drug tests. But Jones did uh, get another win this time over Dominic Reyes in a unanimous decision, 48-47, 48-47, 49-46, to retain the UFC light heavyweight title in the co-main event of UFC 247. The Toyota Center crowd there didn't agree with the decision. They thought that that Reyes had been able to dominate a little bit more than they thought. We'll see. There might end up being a rematch down the road. We'll kind of see where it all ends up from there. But again, just huge buys when it comes. You, of course, had the Conor McGregor one that I think was the first ever 1 million UFC uh, pay-per-view on ESPN that went over a million buys. So again, UFC making some good money there with the deal that they've got with a worldwide leader in sports. We'll see where it all goes from there, and we'll see what's up next for both fighters. A rematch, I definitely think, could be there. Uh, but again, uh, Khabib uh, Nurmagomedov, I cannot say his name. I'm never going to be able to say it, apparently. But uh, Khabib and uh, John Jones, they are tied atop ESPN's pound-for-pound pound rankings. See where it all goes from there. Uh Jones became the winningest UFC fighter in title bouts with 14, surpassing George Rush St. Pierre. He's also got an unbeaten streak to 18 fights, tied with Demetrius Johnson for the most UFC title defenses. So we'll see. The only loss he had, I remember that in 2009, was coming by DQ because he kept dropping an elbow the wrong way on a downed opponent, which you can't do. Meanwhile, moving on to the women's side, Valentina Shevchenko. I love her. She's amazing. She stopped Caitlin uh, Kukudian by TKO to defend her title. She has just completely, uh, I mean, she obliterated the number one contender, who was 13-3. Shevchenko, of course, is 19-3. She finished the fight via TKO at 1 minutes 3 seconds of the third round. That was done. And it was just a a great ground for pound. She had a great spinning leg kick. Shevchenko has just been on fire. It's her fifth in a row, third defense of her 125-pound title. She has been more than a 10-to-1 betting favorite in each of the defenses, including over Jessica Ear and Liz Carmooch. So we'll see, of course. She's lost in the UFC twice. But Shevchenko had both of those losses against current bantamweight and featherweight champion Amanda Nunes. We'll see. She wants. She thinks she beat her in the rematch back in 2017. We'll see where this fight ends up at this point. I would love to see a third one between these two ladies, but it looks like right now uh, Shevchenko is wanting to stay in that 125-pound division. We'll see. Of course, money talks, so we'll see where it goes from there. Meanwhile, moving also, it's combat sports, but it's collegiate wrestling, a big record here in the world of collegiate wrestling, Pat uh, Pecora, who is the head coach of the University of Pittsburgh at Jonestown, he earned his 617th career coaching victory, breaking a 46-year-old record for the most wins in college wrestling at any level, uh, passing former Oregon State coach Dale Thomas. 
and this includes all NCAA divisions plus NIA, NAIA, and junior college. Uh, this was with a 22-12 victory over Mercyhurst University. Uh, Pecora has been there for 44 years. It's just amazing what it looks like. That's just so many. Uh, he passed Kent State coach Joe Bickley's 284 victories in 1974. Uh, Pecora's teams won the Division II National Championship in 96 and 99, and he's been named the National Wrestling Coaches Association Coach of the Year 95, 99, and 2019. He's led his team to 22 NCAA regional titles, including five straight from 03 to 07 and 10 from 1992 to 2001. Uh, Connor Craig, a 2019 NCAA national champion, sealed the match with his 8-0 victory at 184 pounds. Anytime you break a 46-year-old record, that's definitely worth noting here for a true modern-day gladiator. And another great modern-day gladiator, this one in the world of sports writing, and literature, a uh, as they say on PTI, a melancholy happy trails to Roger Kahn. Roger Kahn, he, he was a newspaper man in New York forever, but he also wrote the just uh, one of the best writings of sports literature you will ever find out there. You've got to check out Boys for Summer. It's about his years. He grew up just within a stone's throw from Ebbets Field as a kid. He ended up covering the team uh, in in the New York newspapers. But he wrote about the 1950s, the glory years of the Brooklyn Dodgers, including Jackie Robinson, P. Ray Reese, and all the other guys there, and talking, of course, about the move out to Los Angeles and everything that came with that. You need to check it out. If you're a fan of baseball or a fan of sports or just a great story, check out Boys for Summer. Roger Kahn, a great one in the world of sports writing. He, of course, will be sorely missed. You talk about things also being sorely missed, a lot of money. From the stock price of the WWE when it comes to this. Thank goodness I don't have a lot of money. I am a stockholder in the WWE, full disclosure. Mostly, again, I bought a couple of shares just to complain. Uh, I bought it when it was like at $30 a share. Rocketed all the way up to almost $100 a share. Just, I mean, not too long ago, really. I mean, two years ago, it had a shot at that. And it has been downhill for a long time. Uh, Of course, they had the... Uh, the WWE stock had some issues where a couple of the presidents left the board, and then you also had they're saying, you know, that there could be some issues when it comes to this on the last uh, uh, outlook call. You know, it's the it's the earnings call that you have when you talk about your earnings and everything that's happened over the last quarter. Uh, the WWE stock fell even more, down nine percent. Thursday morning after the company reported considerable uncertainty about its strategy in stock, it has dropped more than 30% in 2020. So we'll see what they're doing. They're talking about an alternative strategic options for the WWE network, essentially maybe shopping, uh, selling the pay-per-view rights, which has already been interesting to see. Of course, there's the idea that's been floating around. I, I'll believe it when I see it. I don't think this is going to happen until Vince is dead but Amazon could buy the streaming rights to the WWE and then maybe even buy it. At least that's what one analyst from CNBC says. Again, I'm going to believe it when I see it. I believe nothing's going to change in the WWE really in terms of a leadership standpoint until Vince is stone cold dead in the ground. So we'll see. But maybe Vince is distracted with what's going on with the XFL. We'll have to kind of see where all that's going. At least they're starting to build toward WrestleMania at this point. 
Uh, but it's been an interesting year, let's just say, an interesting 12 months for the WWE, especially with the launch of AEW, which has been competitive and doing well in the ratings on Wednesday. We'll see where all that shakes out. But I think, again, if the WWE just continues to stay and be creative and not just fall into these boring loopholes of just insulting the viewer's intelligence, which has not been fun, trust me, we've talked about that plenty on this show, I think they'll be fine. I think the stock will go back up. We'll just have to kind of see where it all shakes out in the weeks and months to come as they head, of course, toward their biggest event of the year, WrestleMania. That's going to wrap it up, though, for this week here on Modern Day Gladius. Thank you guys, as always, for tuning in. And again, please give us those five-star ratings and reviews wherever you listen to this podcast. We will love you forever for all of that, for myself and everybody else involved with Outlander Media. Until next week, keep an eye on that sporting world. I'll have everything talked about on social media and, of course, all the other pages on Instagram and Facebook. Give us a follow there. Again, five-star reviews, please. I can't ask for that more. I can. I'm going to beat the dead horse. Trust me. I am. But until next week, until we speak again, too sweet. Love you. See you next time.